0: Yes, welcome to another episode of the ProcureTech Podcast where every week we bring you everything that is fun, innovative and exciting in the digital procurement space. This week is no different and we're actually going to be looking at a story this week of how do you go from being best in class to even better because the company that we're going to be talking about today has its origins in a procurement organization that really is in the top segment really of digitization, maturity. So we're going to establish, You know, how did they do it? How did they then look at something and figure out what could they then do even better, which then ultimately became an independent company in its own right. And uh, one of the founders of that company I'm going to be speaking to on today's show. So Michael Plöiger from Akiro Labs, very warm welcome to the ProcureTech podcast.
1: Thank you, James. My pleasure. Thanks for the invitation.
0: So, Michael, it's no secret with the company that we're talking about is Vodafone, uh, which is where ultimately Akiro Labs was sort of conceived, I guess. So why not let's start by telling us a little bit about the story behind that and how do you go from being best in class to figuring out how you can sort of identify what's missing and take that to another level?
1: Absolutely. James, let me very briefly introduce myself and Akiro Labs. Um, I do procurement all my professional life, um, two-thirds of which as a management consultant, most notably in KPMG, where I was serving um, internationally leading clients around the globe, such as Vodafone, Unilever, Siemens, Volkswagen, Imperial Brands, DHL, Mdocs and ZDE, just to name a few. And one third I spent in industry line management roles. And here I'm proud to say that I worked for Vodafone Group's corporate procurement, helping to design and launch the Vodafone procurement company in Luxembourg. Akiro Labs is our brand new procure tech startup launched in spring this year. And Akiro is Esperanto for procurement And in our labs, we're developing the future of procurement together with our clients. We deliver the world's first AI-enabled collaboration platform and suite for strategic procurement beyond category, filling a white space in today's procurement technology landscape. And this relates back, as you said, um, to a project that I did during my consulting role when my co-founder today, Detlef Schulz, who back then was the founder and CEO of the Vodafone procurement company, whether I could help him with the digitalization of the procurement company. The consulting team I worked with back then also comprised two AkiroLab co-founders, namely Tim and Christoph.
0: So to go from that, then, Michael, in terms of, talk, walk me through a little bit, it's conceptualization, because if if you then had the brief of, you know, how do we make a great organization better? How did you go about finding what, mis- what the missing piece of the puzzle was? Because, I mean, Vodafone back then was pretty mature in terms of its digitalization, right?
1: It was very mature already, James. And this gave me a serious headache. I was overwhelmed with this question in the first place (laughs) because I've been part of the organization. I was an e-supply chain manager. Um, So it was my job to develop the digital roadmap and strategy for procurement in Vodafone and deliver some of the projects myself. Well, this was quite some time back, but still I knew how mature they were. Um, E-procurement e-sourcing, e-invoicing, e-contracting, B2B supplier connectivity, a first very promising um, installation of Salonis process mining. Today, the Vodafone uh, cockpit based on Celonis is one of the most recognized in the world. And as a result, Vodafone was back then already, as they do today, beating every benchmark in procurement, be it value contribution, be it compliance, be it efficiency. And this, to a large degree, went back to the rigorous digitalization they had done. So I was truly overwhelmed with the question. And I couldn't see a missing bit um, (laughs) to answer your question. But Detlef insisted um, that there has to be something new because there's always new stuff coming. And more importantly, if there wasn't any new stuff coming, this would potentially imply the death of procurement because he said we continue to automate ourselves out of the equation all operational and all tactical procurement is already digitalized and automated to a high degree if we now add artificial intelligence and robotic process automation there won't be anything left so we need we need a new role and potentially we need digital capabilities to support that new role. So tell me what it is.
0: So what were the digital capabilities then that you needed to, to support that role?
1: Well, first of all, it was kind of a difficult approach. I did, my, I, did my, I did my research and I didn't really find any useful stuff. I'd say I found a lot of old wine in new bottles and the only thing that ultimate helped me was a quote that i found by david ben-gurion and this guy had said all experts are experts in what was and there are no experts in what will be which was great because in the first place it was an excuse not to have an answer but i didn't want to leave it like this of course and the conclusion then was that if you want to be an expert for future topics three things have to replace experience namely vision leadership and collaboration so i went back to Detlef and i said i'm really sorry still don't know it the only thing i can offer is we find it out together in the very spirit of vision leadership and collaboration and he looked at me and said i like it the other consultants rock up with their white papers and tell me that in 2035, every household has nine artificial intelligences. But what is that helping me? So let's go. So long story short, um, we started a project and we started the project with a series of really fancy workshops. For example, we brought in McLaren Applied Technologies, which is the data and analytics spin-off of the Formula One team. And they are world champions in simulation. So they are simulating a Formula One race, but not only their two cars, but all cars on the track with trillions of data points. Tire wear, fuel consumption, air resistance at every second of the race, when and how often to pit stop, amazing stuff
0: and just just doing that just demonstrates how a world class company is able to think outside the box and bring someone in from just a completely different industry to try and solve a complete a problem that would i guess be completely alien to them but the the metrics and the thought process that goes into that i guess is kind of similar so wow okay <laughs> interesting sorry please continue i introduced i interrupted you
1: no it's, it's a very valid point that you make and let me say that while this workshop was running i was scared again because i thought where is this leading how can um, professional buyers take any um, conclusion or inspiration from these weird things and in the vodafone uh, environment it worked extremely well they picked up their bits and pieces and translated it to their business we did a um, similar workshop at a later point in time with another customer and they consumed all this fancy stuff said thank you and we didn't move forward so i think it really requires a mature environment with super talented people to be able to um, to make something out of it so i think it was a it was a super fair point that uh, that you made
0: so just a quick interlude because there are a couple of things that i really want to make you aware of because i think they will be valuable for you so number 1 we now have a monthly newsletter where we bring you curated content of everything that's happening in the digital procurement space if you want to get that just head to procuretechpodcast.com Forward slash newsletter, enter your name and email, and we'll get that delivered straight to your inbox. Number two, if you're a head of procurement or a center of excellence leader, and you're perhaps a little bit confused or overwhelmed with what's out there as best of breed digital procurement technology, especially if you're a mid sized business, schedule a call with me. There's a link at the bottom of the show notes in this episode. Just hit that schedule a call link, and we can have a quick chat to understand your challenges. Challenges and what potential solutions out there may be suitable for your organization. And now, let's get right back to this week's show. And ultimately, then, when you'd done all of this work, you'd arrived at the point that an area that could potentially be improved or optimized was around category management. So talk to me a little bit around how you arrived at that decision and what what were then the next steps in terms of of building the platform? Yeah, the first thing,
1: we we didn't go there straight away. The first thing we concluded was that procurement's new role would most likely be determined by its unique positioning in the organization. Procurement is the function with the most interfaces, both internally and externally. Procurement is the spider in the web with more or better access to stakeholders and data than any other function in the business. And we felt if procurement can leverage this position and um, capitalize on this position, it can become the powerhouse of information in the organization and can be the value chain orchestrator. And that was already a good milestone to achieve. But then we asked ourselves, what is needed in terms of capability to take on that role and we concluded three, basically. The first one was, if you want to be that spider in the web and you want to provide business insight and business foresight to everybody else, then first of all, you need the connectivity with everybody else in the network. So with all other nodes in the network, we needed connectivity. That was capability number one. Second, we felt the procurement process is super fragmented due to the high number of stakeholders. And we felt we need some kind of digital glue to stop that fragmentation. And initially we didn't know what that digital glue was supposed to be. But then we concluded that the category management process will most likely be the answer because the strategic procurement process or category management process is all around understanding demand. So collecting information from the internal stakeholders, understanding supply, Having information from the external stakeholders, like the suppliers and analysts, then concluding the strategic implications, determining the most powerful and most relevant value creation levers, translating it into initiatives together with the stakeholders and realizing the value. And this is when, for the first time, we concluded category management is most likely. The process, if embedded into an intuitive workflow involving all these people, that can provide the digital glue.
0: Would that also work? Because obviously this is going to be a business and you're you're going to have to sell this commercially to to external clients. Is this also something that can be brought into organizations that are perhaps not as digitally mature as, as Vodafone?
1: Absolutely. Let me come to that in a bit um, yeah sure because if you have number one in place so you have the connectivity and if you have the digital glue this requires a third capability um, which is artificial intelligence because we concluded we have the connectivity we have the workflow we sit in procurement and this data avalanche is coming our way so we will be overwhelmed and we will be not able to cope with all of this information that have always compared it with um, a doctor a doctor needs to read 180 hours a week just to stay on top of cancer research which apparently is impossible so they use artificial in- intelligence to pre-select the most reliable sources to um, create executive summaries to be able to digest this, this data avalanche, And we felt this is exactly the same that we need for procurement. So um, this said and done, we started digitalizing the category management methodology of Vodafone. 23 steps following the process, analyze demand and supply, strategize value levers, realize value through um, driving initiatives forward, and this was highly highly recognized. We won various awards as a team. We um, sold it to other customers. Everybody involved uh, got awarded or a lot of recognition. The analysts, leading analysts globally, um, confirmed the uniqueness and the huge market potential. So, of course, we then started commercializing the idea. And to your question, initially, we got pushback from small medium enterprises or mid-sized companies who said, Michael, it's a beautiful story. It's super cool, super innovative. But really, you did that with Vodafone. 26 billion of spend and super mature. We are a mid-sized company. That's nothing for us. And I said, you know what, hold on for a sec, wait. You get a world-class category management methodology embedded into an intuitive workflow, involving all relevant stakeholders, institutionalizing continuous and early and continuous involvement, and enriching um, this process with all relevant internal and external information. Even if you're not mature now, this will boost your maturity and it will boost your value contribution. And as a matter of fact, people took that feedback on board. And today um, we're working with large corporates and we're working with mid-sized organizations who exactly love this benefit of boosting their maturity and boosting the value contribution through um, leveraging this world class capabilities embedded into the platform
0: and and I can I can certainly see that and I can as long as it's priced at a point that a mid-sized business can afford it and still sort of see payback and convince a skeptical cfo or cio I I, I get that part I think the the bit that I'm keen to perhaps understand a little bit more is that vodafone clearly apart from having world class technology also would need world class people to be able to implement and interpret what that technology is telling them and build their strategies and, and procurement function around that. In the, in the average mid-market business that would perhaps be, or even large business at the start of a digitalization journey, that would be that would be considering, you know, looking at procurement tech and thinking, okay, what's the best solution? Something like this, I imagine, would require you know, best in class Procurement professionals to be able to to work with everything that it that it tells you. You know, you use the 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 the, doc, the, the, the doctor working in oncology as an example. If you're trying to do this with a procurement team that that, that isn't stacked with A players, I suspect that might be an area where organisations will struggle.
1: I think it's rather about attitude that you need than the capability as such, because the platform delivers large parts of the capability. You just need um, the open-mindedness to to embrace it and to take it on board. And by providing a truly innovative solution that is not necessarily focusing on driving efficiency and reducing headcount, but which is even upskilling the people. Um, Our experience is that they embrace the solution um, and learn from the solution. They are guided through the process. Um, We offer, it's it's almost like an online training tool at the same time. So people are really embracing it and it gives them time. If you um, apply a concept that we refer to as the cognitive lens. Um, it's a two by two matrix, basically. And on the one axis, you have need for collaboration, and on the other axis, you have um, degree of complexity of the task. And where you have low need for collaboration and low complexity, this is where you want to automate. That's P2P, yeah. that's um, robotic process automation. Where you have high degree of, um, collaboration and low complexity, you want, um, workflows, you want augmentation where you have high complexity, but little need for collaboration. You want to apply artificial intelligence to help you. Um, you want data and analytics capabilities to help you carrying out these complex tasks where you have high need for collaboration. And high complexity, this is where you want to focus your human intelligence on. And Akira Labs is supporting that process in the top right quadrant by providing world-class methodology embedded into an intuitive workflow, enriched with business insight and business foresight through artificial intelligence, and people embrace it. Because it's helping
0: think, them to develop, yeah, and I think you touched on a couple of really, really good points there. Because part of it, yes, people are a big con, are a big constituent part of making this a, a success, but it's it's not necessarily inherent capability or experience that drives that. You touched on a uh, on a great point when you mentioned attitude. If I think if people are open to change and open to learn and open to develop and understand what these sort of tools can do. To assist them in their in their daily tasks, not only just with automation of of simple tasks, but also in terms of being able to to use AI and pull in sources externally to be able to give the bigger picture in their in their category management. I really do think that is the future, and and that kind of leads me on to why I wanted to ask you next. Actually, was was really to get your thoughts about category management, and to what extent will that continue to be sort of the linchpin? of how procurement teams are put together because I mean my personal view on this is while I still think that that category management as a concept will maintain its relevance businesses don't I mean with the exception maybe of marketing and IT businesses don't necessarily think in categories in the same way that procurement does and if if we're going to be it's a bit of a cliche, but if we're going to be a valued partner of the business, which is kind of the buzzword at the moment, and I you know, truly believe that's where we need to get to, is quite a rigid form of category management in the way that procurement teams are structured. Is that, is that really the right way forward when we've got things like AI and machine learning and and robotic process automation and all of this intelligence coming out of external sources that is going to take a lot of the administrative and transactional work away. Do we need to be thinking maybe a bit more holistically in terms of how we're structured going forward?
1: Absolutely spot on, James. Absolutely. Um, I mentioned in the very beginning, we call it strategic procurement beyond category. And for the very reason you said, nobody in the business except procurement thinks or acts in categories category is a supply market dimension and nobody else thinks in supply market dimension and this is what we had to learn when I speak to a CPO in automotive he tells me Michael we don't buy categories anymore we buy for a car we buy for a platform or we buy for an e-mobility concept in pharma they say Michael we don't buy categories we buy for a blockbuster drug like a COVID-19 vaccine or a new production line and I have an example from a food delivery service that I used to work with. And their business is picking up food from a restaurant and delivering it to the consumer's doorstep. When the pandemic started and all the airlines had grounded their fleets, they concluded airline catering kitchens must be empty, idle. Why don't we leverage this to start our own kitchens? So they've created a new business model. Then they also realized people don't go shopping anymore. Why don't we install small warehouses in the cities and our riders stop by, pick up groceries, consumables, whatever, and deliver that as well. So they have two new business models in addition to their traditional business model. The CPO tells me, of course, I have similar demands across all those three business models. But by focusing on categories, the only thing I do is bundle demand, drive economies of scale, and drive savings but nobody in the business really needs savings. The most mature business model, they want procurement to help gain efficiency. The other two business models, want procurement to shape the portfolio, drive innovation, drive availability and support growth. And by doing this, we are adding much more value than we would by bundling demand, leveraging economies of scale and driving savings. And this is why we believe We need to orchestrate the procurement process around different dimensions. A category can be a dimension and IT is one, as you rightly say. But then in other industries, it's a product like a car or a vaccine. It can be a project like we're building a new warehouse or we're building a new data center. It can be um, a new business model as in we're no longer selling equipment but we're selling machine uptime. So we need to cater for spare parts and services at the same time. And the good news though is the process still applies. Independent of what you buy, you still need to understand your demand. You still need to understand your supply, drive the right conclusions, understand the strategic implications pull the right strategic value creation levers and execute to realize the benefits. So the process applies needs to be um, applied for different procurement objects or business dimensions.
0: No, I can completely agree with you, Michael. I think that's you summarized it pretty much exactly, but a lot more eloquently actually than I would. So, in terms of natural fit for a product like a Kiro, is there a specific industry sector, business size, maturity of digital journey that it that it fits to, or is it is it very very versatile in terms of the problem that it solves and and where it can sit?
1: No, I think we're not excluding any industries. Initially, we excluded retail because in retail, the category management concept is different. It goes from retail outlet, um, including pricing and shelf optimization to supplier. But in the meantime, we don't even exclude retail because we feel the concept of beyond category Um, applies as well we are also not excluding small medium enterprises because in our understanding and as discussed they benefit over proportionally from leveraging world class the only minimum requirement that i see is a certain degree of complexity that the organization needs to have if it's a one site, one plant, super small manufacturer, they can potentially work with a um, category management toolbox, Um, but everybody else, I think will benefit largely from having a new way of doing strategic procurement beyond category, because it also implies that procurement or that category management used to be a static and linear process. Renewals were triggered by cadence, but this needs to be triggered by events happening, either internally or externally. It used to be a process run in procurement. So in isolation, but it needs to be truly collaborative. It used to be rather tactical with a strong focus on savings and with a strong focus on hedging or tactical risk management, but it really needs to take into account the longer term um, changes and strategy in the near and far business environment. And this is what we deliver with Akiro Labs. And as such, it's not category or industry specific, but it's addressing these design principles that um the new economy and the new way of working in in a globalized world require
0: and i think taking that out of people's inboxes and out of spreadsheets is really i mean i'm just thinking back to some interviews that i did with with founders and ceos of of supplier relationship management platforms and they they made a similar argument that bringing this into one single source of truth and having everyone collaboratively working on it in real time is a huge game changer because it ta- if, if, if things are siloed in people's email inboxes, A, they don't get read because the number of the volume of email that everyone receives. But it's if you're copied on an email, it's not the same as working in, in, online in a collaborative tool on a joint project. And I think that's, that's a big game changer. Absolutely. Let me give you an example for
1: this. So if... For example, you understand this is my demand. And not only this is my forecast in terms of volume or value, but this is the technical specifications. Um, This is the business model. We're no longer selling machines. We're selling machine uptime. This is our cash position. We are not cash rich enough to buy in every geography. So we need to cater for leasing stuff. Um, So you really have a holistic view of your demand then you bring in supply market intelligence through a web crawler an ai supported web crawler that we provide and then you start the collaboration process and you find oh, this piece of information that i got from my web crawler looks rather technical and as a procurement professional i cannot make a lot of sense out of it if then the tool allows you to say "Um, dear colleague in in r d who is on the same platform can you please um, analyze this report and either um, tell me what the implications are for my SWOT analysis, for my Porter's Five Forces analysis, or uh, depending on the user rights, can you please amend this piece of analysis in the platform? How powerful is that? You have all the information, even the, even the collaboration, the notes, the meeting minutes in the platform and it's still there Um, once the business partner or the buyer have left the organization usually they take everything.
0: that's a big one actually because when people leave an organization and things are stuck on someone's c drive the person coming in doesn't know whether the information that's been handed over to them and the files are, are complete
1: exactly this is why we're saying in addition to providing um a world-class methodology embedded into an intuitive workflow and enriched with all relevant information, which is boosting maturity. At the same time, we're an online training tool for strategic procurement because the tool is guiding you through the process. Plus, we are a knowledge and strategy repository. And with that, I think we're boosting value.
0: Excellent. So Michael, last question. This is a really easy one. If anyone would like to learn a little bit more about Akiro Labs or maybe connect with you, what's the best way that they can get in touch?
1: Well, um, reach out via our website, akirolabs.com. you find us on LinkedIn or any other social media channel. And um, we're looking forward to hearing from you.
0: And I will link to all of that in the show notes. It's been a pleasure, Michael, and uh, really appreciate your insights and the story behind this. And uh, yeah, it's uh, it's great to learn from someone that's been part of a world-class organization and to understand really just what they've done to take it to the next level. So uh, thank you for coming on the show and keep in touch.
1: Thank you very much, James. Really enjoyed the session. And uh, thanks for having me again.
0: So that, ladies and gentlemen, is a story of how you never stop and resiliently just try to get better, uh, even when you've achieved a high level of maturity. I think it's a a very relevant story for us all. Just a couple of things before we sign off. If you like the ProcureTech podcast, then don't forget to to subscribe in your favorite podcast player. So as you get notifications every week when we release a new episode, also follow our LinkedIn page. Uh, We're putting the best snippets from series one and series two on there just to give you a flavor of what we've done with past episodes and yeah there are a lot of procurement podcasts out there right now so i certainly appreciate you taking the time to insert us into your ear balls today while you've been walking the dog or doing the shopping or cleaning your kitchen or whatever it is that you're doing keep in touch take care wherever you are in the world thank you for listening and see you again next week bye for now